healthcare system is broken, but it doesn't have to be. This is Revenue Cycle Optimized by Infinix Healthcare. We discuss the latest challenges in the revenue cycle space and provide actionable tips on how to overcome them at your organization. Welcome to this week's Office Hours session. Um, thrilled to have Chuck Rackley, our Chief Strategy Officer, back with us. Today, we're going to talk about kind of a hot topic and how, um, how to take industry met- metrics that may be a little bit of a challenge for some facilities and apply them to your organization. And then we're going to discuss how to um, put steps in place to achieve those goals. So welcome back, Chuck. Happy to have you. Thanks, Kate. Happy to be here. All right. Well, let's kick it off and uh, start with why does the one-size-fits-all approach to financial metrics not work for every facility? Well, so it's a really easy trap to get into for revenue cycle leaders and hospital leaders, uh, physician leaders to go to MGMA or to go to HFMA, map keys and say, okay, whatever they say is is the Bible and that's what we're going to go with. Uh, The truth is those metrics come from a big uh, compilation of of everybody putting in metrics together. And that's going to include for-profit, not-for-profit locations, going to include academics and rural and metro and all these things that are put together. And it sometimes doesn't really reflect reality of what's possible. Um, Sometimes it's worse, sometimes it's better. Um, The the best analogy that I can think of for this is going to be kind of boring for those of of you who don't uh, enjoy the same hobbies as me. Um, but I, I like to play golf from occasion. And the way that the golf course is set up, for those of you who don't know, is, is called par. So if you're on par, par is usually 72 shots in a golf course. Um, and each hole has its has its own par set up for it as well. So usually there's like a, a par four, a par five, or a par three are the usual ones that are on a golf course. Now, I'm not very good. So I, I very rarely get to say that I shot par on a course. So one of my first teachers I ever had said, okay, on this hole, it's a par five, but you want to make it a par seven because for your skill level, seven is a really good score for you on this hole. And that's probably the best analogy I can say for healthcare revenue cycle metrics. So a good example on revenue cycle metric uh, is point of service collections. Let's, let's talk about that one for a moment. You have all, all these you know, HFMA, MGMA, map keys say you're supposed to be at 3% of total collections or some random number um, that your hospital comes up with based on some sort of national metric. Where, but if you're in a very, you know, rural environment or an inner city environment where the payer mix is bad and um, there's just not a lot of cash to go around there, sometimes those metrics don't make a lot of sense. And But it can go both ways. That's that's really kind of the, the best way I can explain it, Kate. That was a great explanation. So what factors do kind of the traditional financial goals fail to account for? Yeah, it's those dimensions we talked about and, and they kind of go pretty wide. And so it, it, once you get past, you know, the kind of for-profit, not-for-profit, it gets into size a lot. Patient demographics, payer mix um, are also very big. Um, it also happens to be, you know, are, are you set up for scale? In your facility? Are you a single facility, multiple facilities? Are you a doc practice of 10 physicians? Or are you HCA with you know, $30 billion in net revenue? Um, so there, there's, there's a lot of factors that come into play there from size to demographic to 
what your policies are. Um, there's a lot of different differences between facilities and providers that vary wildly, even, even with folks that are right next door to each other. So you may have one, one facility that has a bad debt policy of, you know, we're going to send everything to bad debt in 90 days. And you have another next door have a policy that says we're going to send everything to bad debt at 180. Obviously, you can't hold those two hospitals to the same metric. I would think it's probably pretty frustrating if I'm a critical access hospital with um, a really high charity write-off percentage versus to look at those metrics versus, you know, HCI is a good example. <laughs> probably seem really <laughs> intimidating. Mm-hmm. So. Um, what are the most common KPIs that organizations are making mistakes with? You know, there's there's a couple that jump to my mind immediately. We've talked about a few already. I'll, I'll give one great example. Um, point of service collections is a great example of one that comes up a lot. And I'm thinking of this one example. There was this there was this hospital I was at once. Um, it was right on the border between Mexico and the United States and Texas. Um, and there was a point of service goal for. I want to say it was two and a half percent of of total cash should be from point of service collections, and they were blowing it out. They were they were like seven percent of point of service collections, and so when I was doing an assessment for them, and I'm going through the normal KPIs, and I say seven percent, my God, that that is amazing. That that is by far the highest percentage I've ever seen. I mean, th- their bad debt percentage should be nothing. They should have no patient balances, but they still did. They had a ton of patient balances out there, and it really didn't make sense to me. So I started looking into it and come to find out most of their point of service collections were coming from mothers coming from the other side of the border. And they had set up a, a kind of flat fee. So if you wanted to come across the border and, and have your baby, have some prenatal, have some, uh, you know, preemie care and some uh, infant care right off the bat and start off on a good way. They had come up with this kind of flat rate where mothers could just come, come in and pay $1,000 and have their baby there, which is a great program. But it throws off all of those metrics. And it's something that doesn't come through in, in the aggregate. So where it doesn't make sense why that would be there. Um, that, that's a great example of just an extenuating circumstance that is, was very specific to a facility um, that not many will have. But it's something important to think about when setting your own goals. Others that, that are often conflated are uh, bad debt expense for a very similar reason. So if you have, like we talked about earlier, those policies that are, are different from facility to facility, um, charity expense, AR over 90 is one that drives me nuts. So, and this one is a big, has a lot to do with your payer mix. So if you're a facility that has 90% Medicare and Medicaid, the expectation on your payer mix and, and what your AR over 90 days should be is going to be different from a facility that has, you know, 10% Medicare and 20% Medicaid, and the rest is all really nice managed care payers. Um, so the, there's there's a lot of variation between um, those kind of metrics. Uh, denials is another one that comes to mind. So denial write-offs for similar reasons there, what you, what your appeal policies are, what your payer mix is, um, how, how far you go into the appeal process, those things are all going to come into play when looking at what a good denial metric is. Those are the big ones that could uh, jump out to indicate. Great. So what should facilities take into account when they're setting their financial goals and targets and KPIs? Yeah. So just like my, my golf teachers told me, they need to find the par that makes sense for them. So whether that, that goal is higher than the HFM map key or lower, 
are the same or are, are done in a way um, that's just a little bit different. The important thing is to have a goal that's reachable, um, everyone understands, and is attainable. So if you're starting out as, you know, you got a, a write-off percentage that's, you know, 7 or 8%, and say, hey, we should be at below 1%, like HFMA says, that's a pretty high road to get across. Um, and, and it's a lot of people are going to say, well, let's not even try it because it's impossible. So an important thing to do is have a manageable goal for the short term. So it's okay to think about you know, how we're going to go after denial write-offs in the future um, and how, where we want to be as the ultimate you know, benchmark. But it's also very important to say, okay, for this year, our goal is 5%. For the, for the next year, our goal is 3 and you can adjust those as time goes on, depending on what happens and you make more progress than you thought. But I've seen a lot of people make big, huge adjustments to their operations based on these kind of faulty understanding of what's reasonable for their facility. So you have people get fired sometimes. You have big technology purchases to get kind of get around these KPIs and like make these big moves. But sometimes you really don't need that. Sometimes you really need to kind of think smaller and think, okay, what's some, what are a few things I can do to make small changes to these in the short term and make them last long term? Um, that's probably the, the thing that comes to mind the most is just find that par for your hospital, your facility, your practice, whatever it is, um, that makes sense and is achievable. As a follow-up to that, any recommendations for how facilities should level set and make sure that they're capturing accurate data. Yeah, that's, that's probably the, the, the most paramount part of that in that next bit, Kate, is before you even start measuring, it's important to set the baseline. Um, so right. to set the baseline, you have to be confident in what you're doing is, is accurate. Um, and not just accurate, but is, is relevant to, to the KPI and, and it's not going to move. So what we've seen in the past, looking at especially the, the smaller hospitals and smaller practices, is they don't do the best job on, on keeping long-term record, um, keeping long-term snapshots. So for an example, if you said, if we're going into a hospital system or, or a small cardiology practice and you ask them, hey, what were your denial write-offs for the last three years? Or what, what's been your cash as a percent of net revenue for the last two years? A lot of them won't know because they just don't keep those records like that. A really important thing to do uh, to achieve operational you know, excellence is to start keeping that track record of both the leading indicators and the trailing indicators. Um, so a lot of those KPIs we've talked about so far are really trailing indicators. The leading indicators are the ones that you really, really, really got to put in stone and uh, make a big impact on. A good example of that is, like we talked about cash as a percent of net revenue a second ago, one of the leading indicators of that is discharge, not final bills. So what, what do you got in, what do you got just waiting in queue that hasn't been coded yet? Uh, that's a leading indicator to what's going to happen from a cash perspective. Even before that, you have charge lag. Um, so things like that that are really leading indicators to those big roll-up indicators are important to track and to trend. So you can make uh, informed decisions on how you're going to operationalize that change. Great. That was really helpful. So now what steps can facilities take to achieve these goals? Once they've level set, once they've figured out what their goals are going to be, what's mm -hmm. next? Uh, the first thing is to make sure that all the levels of the organization understand where you're going. I, I can't tell you how many times we've been to a facility or a practice and and the CFO or the practice manager 
they knew all the goals saying, hey, we need to be at this percentage point for here. Uh, we want AR here. We want charity here, bad debt here. And then you go talk to the one line level down and they have no idea about those goals or very little. And they're just, they're just trying to keep the lights on, right? They're trying to make the sausage. They're trying to just make sure everyone make, needs productivity. And everyone's kind of on that hamster wheel. Um, now, uh, now, obviously, you know, you can't have staff level people be concerned with every single metric, but it's important to have them have some exposure to at least a little bit of it, to have, you know, those things up on the wall that have the big thermometer that says, hey, here's where we are from a cash perspective. Here's where we are from an AR perspective. Give them a goal that they can see that's that's noticeable. Um, put some competition in it um, and even put competition between departments. So if you've got if you've got your uh, collection departments divided by payer, which a lot of people do, some people have government versus managed care. They've got you know denials versus underpayments. See who's see who can get the best productivity that'll lead to the best um, overall roll-up metric. Um, so there's a lot of those things that that can do to get your your everybody from the CEO to the of the company all the way down to the lowest staff level person all rowing the boat in the same direction. A and knowing why they're rowing the boat in the same direction. So that, that's that's probably the biggest thing I see from organizations, large and small, is that the communication on on what the goals are, how we're, how they're going to get there, and why they're important is, is usually lacking. Um, and and what we found is that the more that those that are communicated and everyone understands them and what the steps are they're going to be taken, the more they're behind it, um, and you have less attrition, you have more employee satisfaction because of it. Uh, that's number one. Number two is to report out on these metrics more than once a month. The, the most annoying thing when I was when I was in working for a big provider network was that you know you do these big monthly operating reviews and then you spend the next three weeks trying to explain why the metrics are what they were. Um, then you have four seconds to breathe and then you do it all over again. And you live and die by these monthly metrics that are, you know, come down from on high and everyone has to live up to them. Uh, what's important is to not just live in those metrics, but really live in those leading indicators that we talked about and, and really make decisions and, and spend more time looking at those rather than just trying to explain the month-end metrics that happen. And that's a change that happens from the top. So the, that's that's rarely a change that can be affected from, from the bottom. The, the leadership has to believe in that, that concept is that, hey, we're going to look at these, you know, big roll-up metrics like cash, um, you know, like bad debt and denials and those things. You know, we're going to look at those, but we're also going to look at everything on a daily or weekly basis to really understand what's leading to those roll-up things. And we're not going to just hold everybody to these this, this month-end number. Third thing, uh, you really want to make sure that uh, your successes are are celebrated. Um, so when you set those positive goals, you set those reasonable goals, celebrate them at, at, at when it makes sense. Uh, make sure everyone knows that you hit them and and set the next one. You see, often, so often you see, you know, okay, great. Now let's go get the next one and and nothing really happens. Um, but it's important that everyone understands that, you know, you, you did hit that goal. So you talked a little bit about rolling out and making sure everyone understands what what the metrics are, what the KPIs are. I think you would probably agree, agree with this, but it's not uncommon for in revenue cycle, there to be kind of some silos, right? Patient access doesn't sure. necessarily talk to the AR and denial team. Any recommendations on how you can get everyone on board, everyone communicating? I mean, especially in, in the case of denials, right? 
a lot of those may be coming from the patient access side. Yep. So, you know, taking a more proactive approach to avoid those requires a lot of communication through each yeah, department. So the, I think the biggest opportunity in that, in that specific area is to have what we call denial teams. Um, and a lot of people say, well, no, Dutchuk, but the, the important thing is that it's got to be across those silos that those teams occur. So too often you have, you know, the CFO or the, the practice manager will meet with just the back end team and say, okay, let's talk about denials. And then they'll go meet with the front end team. Um, it's, it's rare that those, those people meet together and they understand really the puts and takes on who's causing what. But the important thing to watch out for there is that it doesn't become accusatory. So that, it, that can really backfire as well. So you have, you know, all those leaders in the same room and they're going through, to, you know, the incoming denials and half of them are authorization, Jerry. So what the heck, why, why can't your people get it authorized in time? And there's, you know, that's an, that's an, a fair question, but it's important to uh, have that framed in a way that is not going to be accusatory and you can still hold people accountable, but you know, it's important to have just some structure around how you're going to have those conversations. So a lot of times if it, and this kind of goes back to what we were talking about, how if you're, if everyone's being held to these big month end metrics, uh, that's when people get under stress and they start to get accusatory with, you know, those report outs. So, you know, breaking down those silos, you know, meeting more than once a month, um, meeting week, meet weekly, meet daily, um, whatever it is to, so, so, you know, your patient access people can talk to your HIM people can talk to your backend people and all three areas can understand what they do, um, and how it affects the others. So, you know, they're going to kind of haphazardly roll through the registration process and haphazardly gather patient demos. You know, it may work faster and you may hit your productivity, but you're actually making more work for someone in the back end. So for those people to see how that affects is usually very, very effective. That's great advice. I want to give folks um, that are joining us an opportunity to ask some questions. While I do that, Chuck wanted to see what uh, what call to action what marching orders do you have for folks in terms of next steps? Yeah, the, the first thing I would say is after, after our conversation today, you know, ask yourself a really hard question. Do I know where we are for a couple of these metrics? And you don't need to know all of them. But as leaders, it's, I can't tell you how many times I, I've, seen, I've gone into a hospital system and, and asked the CFO, you know, where you are, where are you from a cash for, as a percent of net revenue? Or you know, where, where are you on this metric or this metric? And I'm, I'm generally trying to help them and understand the health of their organization. And I can't tell you how many times the answer has been, I don't know, I'd have to go check. So it's important for, you know, us as, as revenue cycle leaders to understand the real uh, toggles on when performance is affected. So if, if, your ultimate, if your ultimate measure is cash or your ultimate measure is revenue or whatever it is, it's, it's important to just start to really dig into those. Um, like I said, make sure you know what they are and make sure they're being trended um, and make sure the organization knows what's, what the heck's going on. Um, don't just keep them in a silo. That'd be the first thing. That's the call to action. Just, just see where you are. If you need help with that, there are plenty of places you can go to get help with it. Make sure your IT people are involved. Make sure your analytics are up to date, um, that you can look at it on a daily basis. I think you brought up a really good point. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Sometimes yeah. when you're too close to the data, it can be, it can hinder 
progress. So don't be afraid to, to ask someone to come take a look with fresh set of eyes. So for sure. All right. We've got a question here. Um, what are your thoughts on trying to use peer facilities to help determine KPIs? It's a great thing to do. Um, and this is, you know, getting people to share that data can be hard sometimes, but there's a lot of data out there, even on like definitive healthcare that you can compare your facility to, and you can look at some of those dimensions. So like we first started talking about, if you're going to compare to peers, make sure they're really peers. Make sure that if you're an academic facility, make sure you're looking at other academic facilities. If you're a cardiology practice, make sure you're looking at other cardiology practices, not an orthopedic. So there's there's a lot of those things that, that can really change the, how the needle moves. Um, so just make sure that you're not crossing too many streams on, on that peer review. Um, but that is an exceptional way to really measure yourself. So if you're not just if you're just looking at the HFMA map keys or the MGMA standard, you're going to miss that. That's one of the best ways to to really see how you're doing is compare yourself to peers. It's a great question. Great. Well, thanks again, Chuck. Any last minute words before we wrap up? Uh, just 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 like Kate said, don't be afraid to ask for help. Um, even just uh, don't be afraid to ask for help. Not just from you know, people like Kate and I, but talk to talk to your peers, call your hospital that's across the, across the street or across the city or in, in a different state that you know, talk to each other. I think that's the biggest thing wrong with healthcare today is that there's not enough uh, commingling of thought, um, not enough commingling of, of data. Um, and, and, and us as leaders have a responsibility to do that, not just for our businesses, but are in our organizations, but for our patients. So the more we can, you know, track our performance, the more we can add cash to the facility. That means the more MRI machine we can buy, the next innovation that's going to come out in healthcare. So even though it feels like sometimes we're so far away from patient care, the truth is we're closer than you think. Um, and every every one of these decisions really impacts patients one way or the other. So don't be afraid to, to pick up the phone and ask for help. Um, know your metrics. Know what you can do to improve them. Really, really great advice today, Chuck. Thanks again for joining us. Thank you to those who listened in on today's session. We hope to see you back here next Thursday at five o'clock Eastern and have a great evening, everybody. Thanks guys. Thanks for joining us. Subscribe to get notified when our next episode is online. For more information for how we can help you increase reimbursements at your company, check out our website at infinix.com. That's I-N-F-I-N-X dot com.